welcome to the way of the womb podcast my name is beck i'm your host and i'm a trauma-informed holistic birthing doula womb worker and earth lover i am here to support you and all womb owners whether that's through your monthly cycles and navigating the everyday or whether that's to support your journey through the rite of passage of pregnancy and birth my passion is to support souls to come home to themselves so you can connect back to your innate power, your intuition and the wisdom of your body so you can feel empowered and live your truth. On this platform, we will be discussing periods, pregnancy, plant medicine, birth, trauma, mental health, spirituality, earth to body connection and everything in between. This is a place for conscious souls to gather so that together we can heal, thrive and live authentically, unapologetically as ourselves. This is the Way of the Womb podcast. Hiya everyone, thank you for coming back for another episode. So today I have on Eva Bay, who is a lovely doula and also one of my mentors. Hi, Eva. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Beg. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have this conversation. So, um, do you mind just telling everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a doula. I live in Brighton in Sussex in the UK. Uh, I'm a mum of four children. Um, my oldest is 23 and then I've got a 17-year-old son, 12-year-old and a six-year-old. I'm also a shamanic practitioner and a pagan celebrant for rites of passage and yeah I've been a doula for about since 2016 and I trained with conscious birthing with Kate and Samsara mm. and um yeah I mean I could keep talking do you want me to just keep keep <laughs> answering that question you do whatever you feel called to do yeah um not um, to me so the sh- 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 as a shamanic practitioner and and the and weaving in the um my celebrant work all came about really after becoming a doula. I always mm. had interests in that. I've been following a shamanic path, pagan path or druid path really for since I was about 22. And um, and then, uh, so I, I was very aware and, and ex- kind of experienced in attending ceremonies and rites of passage as well within that world. Um, and then when I became a doula, I just realised that it just all fitted really well together. And I started to be asked to do a ceremony and and to do baby naming ceremonies and to friends asked me to do their hand fasting ceremony. Um, and, and another friend asked me to do a placenta burial ceremony. And suddenly in that first year, I'd been asked to do all these other things as well that kind of drew on my experiences so far. So I trained to be a celebrant mm. with the order of bards, obates and druids. And then um, 
and I and I kind of fell into becoming a shamanic practitioner through making a drum because I felt like I needed a drum for postnatal healing it just made sense to to use a drum in this one particular ceremony I wanted to give one lady one day and uh, and we had a bodron and it didn't sound right and it had you know what they're like they're like you have these little wooden sticks and it just it wasn't quite the earthy kind of sound that I really wanted the earthy heartbeat so I thought I really need to make a drum or or buy a drum <laughs> so I had no idea my dad's a drummer but not not in a shamanic way so yeah I um a friend of mine then happened to be doing a drum birthing workshop a couple of weeks later. She said, oh, just come along and and um, and we'll, um, you know, you can pay it off in installments or whatever. And, and so I ended up doing that. And then while I was there, she had a leaflet uh, on the side from for the course that I then took um, about it's. Uh, it's called sacred drumming and it's um steve with Stephen and renata ash and um i contacted them i thought this is that looks amazing and i knew them from festivals i'd seen them at festivals i'd been to where they'd done the opening ceremonies and and i'd been on a couple of his workshops and drum drum journey workshops like but years before mm. and um and I just, yeah, it just made sense to contact them. So I did. And then again, they said, oh, yeah, our next course starts in three weeks. And uh, we both, we've done a pendulum on you. We feel like you're right. Because they, they used to sort of, every time they get an inquiry, they sit and sit with spirit. And, you know, is this the right person for our workshop? Are we going to be able to support them? And apparently spirit said yes. <laughs> so I started doing that three weeks later and I've I've not really stopped I did the training with them over a couple of years and then they invited me back to become a teacher so I'm now a qualified year in, in teaching although it doesn't really feel like I've qualified because I feel like I've got that certificate that says that but now I'm starting to do the teacher training because now I'm starting to, to teach the course so mm -hmm. and it just all tied in I did my case studies um through that course and uh on on pregnancy and uh and with soul retrieval as well I've I've focused that around pregnancy mostly as well um so, so it just all fits in it's, it's just doesn't really feel like a job any of it it just feels like it just feels natural you know yeah oh <laughs> I love that so much and my introduction <laughs> <laughs> my little introduction you said can you just introduce yourself and I'm just no I love it I could listen to you talk for ages about it I'm just like I want to know all of this knowledge and wisdom <laughs> I love it so the course you did was that um just like a general shamanic drumming course or was it specifically around pregnancy and soul retrieval no it's a general course but because of my job and because of uh, i just wanted to find a way of working really carefully with pregnancy because i knew that a lot of shamanic practitioners didn't want to do that but to me pregnancy is a shamanic experience and so why would you not support a mum shamanically really and mm. and I spoke to my teachers and they said well you know we, we trust you we feel that you know you've got that integrity and everything so yeah try it and we'll support you so that's how 
I ended up doing most of my case studies on pregnancy. I had to do another 20 on top of just general case studies as well. <laughs> and were they like shamanic journeys on people that you had to do? Both. Some of it is, um, or a lot of it is, is um, healing work. So you're using the drum and different tools to tune into this, to the person's body, their energy field. And um, it kind of, it's about balancing their energy field. So it's about ensuring that everything works and flows properly, you know, that, that they're grounded, that they're, everything's connected. Um, if you feel anything, intrusions or, you know, any anything that's if, if their energy field doesn't feel quite, quite um, balanced, then you can use the different tools to either clear some energy or help help it to flow better or or help to put some energy back in, you know, just to help them to or break connections to their past, perhaps their ancestry. Um, there's quite a lot it's very intuitive and yeah. um, and then and also yeah doing drum journeys as well became a big part of that and then uh, and then I felt like soul retrieval was just the next step so I did the soul retrieval aspect as well could you explain a little bit what um soul retrieval involves just in case anybody is wondering yeah so soul retrieval is about um so so basically we're we're a whole person and when we go through experiences um traumatic experiences which can be different for everybody but a little part of our soul just can just split off and stay in that place or stay stay hidden or stay protected because we don't want to experience um, another trauma again so we we kind of hide it or we remove that part of ourselves because we just don't want to face it very often um, so we can end up quite fractured and so soul retrieval is about journeying to that place and helping to retrieve those parts and and put them back together to help you feel more connected and whole and so in relation to pregnancy I feel like when we give birth we're a vessel and that you know when a baby comes through you you're, you're opening you're opening your body physically you're opening yourself shamanically energetically spiritually <laughs> however you want to call it and you're bringing in a new soul and you you know this baby's not only physically coming through you but energetically as well their, their soul is is coming through and so if you can be a clear grounded vessel you know it's as much as possible um for birth i think that's you know, that that's shamanically that's kind of my aim for women so soul retrieval i feel comes in where women might feel quite disconnected or there might have been a trauma that that kind of that will affect their birth potentially you know um for example i worked with a lady quite a few years ago who um was really fearful of having a cesarean and she she was really young and she um yeah god i'm just trying to think back now but she um she was she was young and, and she had this this fear that 
kind of made no sense in a lot of ways. You know, she wanted a home birth. She wanted everything natural. She was a really lovely, earthy mother. And she just had this, this fear that she would end up having a cesarean more than most people's fear. You know, a lot of people don't want um, intervention. But Sorry, it just cut out then. All I heard was she wanted a home birth and then it cut out. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. So yeah, so she wanted a home birth and um, she had this, what felt like quite an unnatural, severe fear of having a cesarean. And um, at the time I'd done some training in EFT and I was just beginning my shamanic practitioner journey. And um, I just felt like there was something more. And we, we did the EFT, which is where you tap on uh, acupressure points so you reframe how you're feeling every time you tap mm -hmm. you start with how you're feeling and then you try and reframe it in a positive way and and it just wasn't working this feeling inside her was still really strong and then so she drew it out of her and and she was she, she found that it was a shard she described it like a shard and she described it as um, being a lady, perhaps a Roman lady, who had lost her baby through a caesarean um, in a, it, what felt like a past life. Mm. And um, she actually, in this life, physically had a scar inside her womb that, that was like going up to her belly button. And this, this, this shard that she found herself talking to had had a cesarean um, going from, you know, like, like a, a vertical cesarean rather than a horizontal down um, just above the pubic bone um, where they are today, this was a big one. And um, so, we worked a lot on bringing that aspect of her back in and helping it to feel really settled and grounded. And it got, she, she ended up in labor for five days and about halfway through her labor, she, she said that she still could feel this fear. And so she spoke to this, she spoke to um, that part of herself again, you know, and had to, had to keep kind of drawing her back in and, um, helping her to feel grounded and safe and reminding her that this this having this baby at home you know this baby is going to be hers and it's not going to be a cesarean and it's going to be a beautiful birth and no one's going to take the baby away the baby's not going to die she's not going to die and, and they ended up having the baby at home on the friday in the early hours and um I just thought then that was my first experience of of realizing actually the impact of um, you know of our traumas of our experiences what kind of impact they can make and this was a past life mm -hmm. and in this life this lady had had endometriosis um, from quite young you know she was still young now she was only nineteen or twenty I think. Um, and so to, to have a baby also was a way of healing that for her. Mm -hmm. um, and she actually became a really inspiring mum. She was really inspiring. She's got photos of her modelling, breastfeeding her baby mm -hmm. up and about, you know, in the town where she lives. And um, she's, yeah. That's amazing. That sounds like she's gone through such a 
deep journey and I know that so many people say that when you start the birth journey or go into Libra it's like your connection to spirit just increases like tenfold so that ancestral trauma coming through is wow so profound and that it was so strong um so do you feel did you use shamanic instruments in the end to help guide her through that not with her I we did healing after the birth I felt like her birth healed her you know all she needed really was that conversation with herself which is actually what soul retrieval does it encourages you it gives you that space to have that that face off with yourself to really look inside and 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 welcome parts of yourself back in a different way you know to help you feel whole and grounded and um since then i've i've used my tools for soul retrieval but that's you know that that's the story really that started me really thinking about it that's Um, amazing and i do feel it really helps i feel to give yourself that space and just just pick through anything that might get in the way, any obstacles, any feelings, anything from, from your grandparents, your parents, or your past lives, or, or anything from now, from your childhood, mm. you know, the way that we perceive birth, um, or even the way we see our bodies, the way we view our bodies can, can really get in the way too. I mean, it's all elements of trauma, isn't it? How we've been conditioned to kind of see our bodies and how we are so disconnected from our bodies as well. It's traumatic within itself, never mind everything else and other ancestral trauma and things like that. So, yeah, it's super profound how much it can affect our life. And if that kind of isn't approached within this life, can potentially pass on to the children and grandchildren that will journey after us as well mm. um so yeah I think that's why this work is super super important to bring that awareness and to say actually this ends with me kind of thing um oh I've just literally just love everything you've said I can literally just listen to it all day so when you get an inquiry about a shamanic birth do you speak to them about what kind of instruments they want to use or things like that? Or do you just work really intuitively? No, I work really intuitively. When mm. someone comes to me and says that they're really interested in my shamanic approach, um, I'll still work with them like I do any other person. I'll sit with them. I start with going through their birth wishes and get to know them. And then everything tends to unfold from there. I bring all my tools with me um, when I know that it's looking to be a healing unit. Generally, I I will know actually when I'm going to do a healing session or whether we're going to do a a drum journey or something else um, or a ritual of of some other kind um, before I go there. But if I'm doing a healing, then I'll bring everything with me and I just lay it out. And that can be anything from bells, my rattle, uh singing bowl although I'm not very good at those but or like tuning forks or a drum um my feather smudging stuff (laughs) I bring different herbs to smudge with just depending on what I feel is the right thing um 
generally in pregnancy though sometimes I don't you know usually I'll use something quite mild like Palo Santo something that I know the midwives will use I don't tend to use white sage um, and I don't use mugwort in pregnancy either mm. I do use that during labour um, mugwort mugwort yeah mm -hmm. But, um, or lavender, sometimes, or rose, just something really light. Mm -hmm. um, although lavender can be quite a heavy smoke, but it varies. Or if they really don't want a little bit of smoke, then maybe just a spray of something. Yeah. Um, just to clear their auric field and, and the space. Yeah. Um, yeah. It varies. It, it is really intuitive. There's not really a set way of doing it. I mean, there is a set format. Mm -hmm. But then everything else grows from there, depending on what you're feeling um, and what that person is experiencing as well. Amazing. And so when you made your first drum, so going back to your kind of first story and you ended up going to the drum making workshop, um, is that the drum that you have been using? Like up until this point of you've, I'm guessing you've probably made a few cents or maybe bought some. <laughs> and <laughs> um, no that that particular drum I made I mean I I did start to use it during birth but it's a single-sided drum so it's got the cross on the back mm -hmm. I did weave the stuff from the birth that I just just support I just supported a birth a few weeks before that and I bought some things um relating to that birth with me like the little girl was called her one of her middle names was Rosemary so I bought some Rosemary and it was Imolk at the time, so I had a little Bridget's cross with me and I wove all of that into the drum. Wow. Um, I can't remember what else I used. I, I, just little things that I collected and words and things as I was making it. But then when I started the drumming course, um, that drum is a double-sided drum with a handle on top. So when you hold it on top and, and you, you play it, it vibrates in a much deeper way you know okay. you really get this resonance from it so when you're working with somebody in a healing sense or even bringing it to the birth it just resonates so much nicer and you can play it into the water of the pool and it just resonates it feels feels much nicer so that's the one and when I was making that I really knew then that I, I this is what this course was for. This is what this drum is for. This is what my case studies are going to be. So as I was weaving it together, I was thinking about birth. Mm. And now it's got a huge vulva in henna on one side. And it's got, um, on the other side, I, I painted some, some other aspects, some other things on it. Also in henna from uh, the first birth that I supported with it. Um, yeah so it's become my birth definitely become my birth drum it's come with me everywhere even if it just sits in the car or you know in the corner of the room it's been been to most places up <laughs> and it's energy nearby oh that's so beautiful and weaving it with such intention I would love I know I was going to come to your drum making workshop that you had in Brighton but couldn't make it but I definitely want to come to the next one and when you're making the drum um can you explain a little bit about that and the process of that and the intention you bring to kind of do that 
so I mean the intention is is the individual person's intention who's making it because it's their birth Mm -hmm. so I see it really as I'm holding space like you do as a doula for a for a birth you know it's not it's not my drum it's their drum I'm just providing the tools and I'm providing the space and um, working with them so I I do it I feel quite shamanic I do it quite you know as shamanically as I can mm. honoring the deer skin because it's deer skin that we use and um, we get the skins from Germany huge skins <laughs> that we get from Germany and um, and then the wood itself as well comes from Wales from an ash tree made by one of the other drumming teachers um, so I know where the source is from mm-hmm. and um, we journey on connecting with the spirit of the animal and the spirit of the tree and um, and then as you make the drum as well as you're weaving everything together and you're cutting out the lacing you're reflecting on your own life you're not only thinking about your intentions that go into the drum but it's also it becomes a part of you because as you're making it you're also it's a reflection of your own journey so far so the thread is your lifeline as you're cutting it and as you're weaving it and and then the circle of the drum as well the reason it's circular is because it's a representation of the womb of of the moon of the sun of the earth of everything in life that's round um In fact, there's a quote from Wallace Black Elk. Um, This drumming course originates through Wallace Black Elk because Stephen Ash, our teacher, um, he grew up in Native America. His dad was a a doctor on the reserves there for a number of years of his childhood. And um, and he, he met Wallace Black Elk and he met him when he came over to the UK and Wallace grandfather Wallace he calls him and said that he would like him to um, continue this you know making making drums and bringing it into the west and helping people to reconnect with the earth and Mm. heal the earth through the drum Um, and his grandfather Black Elk who wrote the book Black Elk Speaks writes in the book about the relevance of a circle in that everything in life is about being a circle everything is connected everything really is cyclical everything comes in a cycle and um and when you look at nature pretty much everything is circular so the birds nests are circular yeah the moon and, and the sun and you know, as i just said the earth um um our wombs um our eyes <laughs> you, know, you could just keep going on and on finding circular things flowers are mostly circular and their stems are very often circular yet some that are square but um and um he said actually this is the point i'm getting to that um it was when people stopped thinking about life and connecting through living in a circular space when we started living in square boxes that's when we became disconnected from life and disconnected from the earth. And that's when our rites of passage stopped. Mm-hmm. That's when we stopped realizing that we were a part of nature. And that's when our children started to lose their way. 
And I just find that really profound. So when you look at the drum as well, that's, you know, to them, it being circular has so much more significance than we can even understand. Um, yeah. As well as the fact it's a representation of, of the she, of, of the mother, of our mother, um, the earth and the moon, grandmother moon. And when you beat it, it's, um, it's a rep you know, it represents her heartbeat. So it's you're calling on her and you're connecting with her every time you pick up your drum and you beat a heartbeat. Oh, I love that. That's so amazing. It is, isn't it? Like it's mm. it's everywhere and as well, the circle symbolizing like death and rebirth, like how day and night everything flows into the other. It's just constant. It's like when you're in a circle, mm. nothing can be broken because it is always connected. Yeah, yeah. So beautiful. And yeah. that into a birth space. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And in ceremony, we always stand in a circle, don't we? And actually, I always thought that was because that means we're all equal, that nobody is higher or, or lower than anyone else. We're just all equal. But there's so much more significance to that than just that. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Oh. Oh, I love this conversation. And um, going back to, I think you mentioned that you were doing hands fasts as well. And it's a little bit off topic, but would you be able to explain a little bit what that involves? I mean, I know what it is, but I don't know kind of the ins and outs of it. Yeah, hand fasting is a, a pre-Christian um, wedding ceremony. So it's a ceremony that has been happening um, really in, in our, I don't like to say Celtic lands, but it, it kind of is, isn't it? Pre-Christian, most people understand that term. So it's a ceremony that, um, I mean, there's different ideas of it. Some, in, there's some records of it being a year and a day. So people basically um, bind their hands together it's where the saying tying the knot comes from as well so they bind their hands together in a ceremony um, within the the gaze the watch of their ancestors and whichever spirit religious religion they they honor um, and it was sometimes believed or it was done for a year and a day before they really tied the knot you know before they or before they perhaps exchanged rings um but you can also now have a hand fasting um with the exchange of rings you, you can have it it can be a ceremony where you i mean you can have them anywhere you can have them out in nature you can have them um as shamanic or spiritual as you want you can weave anything into them they're really unique but the basic part of it is that you're tying your hands together mm. and um, it doesn't have to be registered either. You don't have to do it with a registrar. Wow. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of it as well. It's so much more meaningful than going to a registry office. You can have a hand fasting in the registry office as well as your, your wedding that's registered. It can be a part of it. Um, most people tend to do it on a different day though, or kind of spread. So they'll have their registry wedding and then they'll go somewhere and they'll do the hand fasting. And that hand fasting will be the main ceremony because it's 
ceremony that you I mean I write it with them I don't I write it but I will sit with them and weave in what they what they want I write it quite shamanically so I set myself a, a sacred space and just allow it to flow allow the words to flow allow blessing to flow and everything um, they're mostly done outside though um, and they're mostly I mean they are generally pagan so it could be a Wiccan ceremony it could be a Druid ceremony um, it could be more shamanic um, I've done them with lots of people indoors or recently I did one um, just in Kingly Vale with just one just a couple on their own they just wanted to have a ceremony within nature within the watch of the yew trees and you know being close to that veil so their ancestors could come wow. and we honored the wildlife so as we were opening and closing we were offering gifts to the wildlife and offering seed for the birds and things for the trees and and that all became a part of their ceremony it was amazing actually and when we were doing the opening and the closing to the elements the wind would just come and pick up gently and it was just amazing oh, at one point as well we faced the south and in the south it's about connecting to your inner child and connecting to your to the fire of yourself and your passions and your inspiration and at that point two children came running past us it was just lovely <laughs> like being so, heard yeah it's they're just so much more magical i feel because they are you can just weave whatever you want into them yeah um, they're really individual oh yeah i love that so much instead of having the you know the, the normal kind of wedding that we're so used to um i know that my auntie has said that she um in the past if she was to get married again she would do a ham fast and that's when I was first like, what is that? And yeah. I did some research about it and was like, wow, it sounds beautiful. But I've never spoken to anyone who actually facilitates or holds the space. So that's really, really cool. I love all that. Um, just trying to think if I've got any more questions. Um, so during going back to um, <laughs> the drumming side of things, so when you are supporting a birth, um, is there other elements that you, instead of just like soul retrieval or like healing, can using the drum help to almost call baby to earth side? Is that also one of the kind of elements to the shamanic birthing? Yeah, definitely, definitely. In fact, that's probably one of the main parts of it. And it's about keeping the space for the baby, protecting the space for the baby. I mean, the soul retrieval, I, I wouldn't do that during birth. So that's that's like pregnancy preparation, birth yeah. preparation. During the birth, um, when I get out the drum, it's usually for various reasons. One is to keep the mum focused because a regular heartbeat will just keep her focused and keep her rhythm and uh, you know kind of help her to slow her breathing down a lot more and then in turn help the baby to stay calm mm -hmm. but it also from a spiritual perspective um, protects the space 
because I also see it as a time again to just connect in and just ask for extra support for her for whatever she believes in you know her ancestors her whatever her belief system is um and to also help the baby yeah and, and call the baby in in um in Australia I read a paper a few years ago because I'm also writing a book on it <laughs> so I'm still collecting lots of information um but there was a paper quite a few years ago that I read about where um obviously they used the drum in a birth cave women would use would use drums songs and um, but also when the baby's born, they smoke the baby and then they drum over them. And I think it was every day they drum over the baby to really ground their soul and bring their soul in. Um, because often birth can be quite traumatic for the baby as well. You know, they might still be coming and going. Um, and so and it can take a few weeks for them, I think, to really, really stay and stay grounded and, and feel completely safe and okay with this new world and so yeah um, definitely in Australia they they use the drum to ground to bring the baby in and um, there's also lots of other ways you can do that too but I do like to do that um, when babies are born if parents are open to it just to drum a little bit and smudge the space and smudge them and bless them yeah I love that really allowing babies to land kind of on this side because it is like I know obviously we've all experienced it but I can't even imagine what that process is like if we were like cognitively aware of it like how ungrounded we would feel and overwhelmed so that's really beautiful like really bringing them into the space and honoring their arrival yeah I think also, I mean, I also do it actually in that moment to um, help them to disconnect from the past where they need to, mm. in a way, just to help them. Part of my prayers and my song that I sing with them sometimes is to just, you know, help them to stay focused on this life. Because I think that's another kind of issue that, that can come up for mums when, when they start, when they're pregnant, when they're about to give birth, their own birth is is in their cell memories and they might not remember it consciously but subconsciously it's there mm -hmm. and it's in their body and quite often if nothing is done if they're not really fully supported in the way that they're needed they end up having the same birth that, that they were that they came into the world with yeah. and I've seen that a few times especially when people's mums are present um, at the birth they can end up having the same birth and you know the mum becomes more dominant than anything else you know the parents birth wishes because that woman in labor then also becomes the child because her mum's in the room and the only you know her body's remembering her own birth and um yeah i've seen that happen before so um I think it's important to work with babies from the beginning as well really and help them to feel safe and secure and yeah definitely and would you say that there was any way for say if someone did want to have their mother present when they were given birth is there any work that people can do beforehand to 
you know, obviously not forget that experience, but to differentiate between and not carry that story over to them become their own stories or anything they can do beforehand. Yeah, I mean, if, if they want their mum present, um, then I think, I mean, first they need to make sure their mum's completely on board with what they want, with their wishes. I think I've lost you again, have I? Are you still there? <laughs> Hello? Oh, you're back. I, I don't know what happened again on my internet. Um, I don't know if you heard what I said. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I started to answer you. Um, yeah, no. There's, there's, there's lots of things. First, I would suggest that you. I mean, the the woman herself works on on what her wishes are through doing her birth plans, and and make sure that her mum knows exactly what her wishes are, and that her mum is completely on board with it. That she's going to stay calm. That she's perhaps encourage her to watch birth videos of births you know the kind of births that you want encourage her to to read up on things so that she isn't going to bring her own trauma and and difficulties into your space and so she's going to be able to be 100% supportive of you and for the birthing parent as well I would suggest that you I mean if, if you were born if your birth was difficult and your mum isn't very positive about birth, that you also work on it a little bit yourself as well in healing yourself and maybe write your own birth story down so that you really feel okay with it. That was your birth story. And then connecting with your own baby and tell them that, you know, it's okay that they're going to have their own birth story and that you're completely open. You're going to surrender to what they need for their birth and your own stuff isn't going to come in and, you know, do, do some healing work on that as well. Yeah. Um, I think it, most importantly, I think you need to, if, if somebody's mum is quite overpowering and and their own birth wasn't positive, then they need to really work with um, helping them, their mum to feel secure and settled with the birth that they want. Yeah. Um, however that birth is going to be, but that, that you both surrender as, as she surrenders as well um yeah that makes a lot of sense thank <laughs> you so much for sharing um I don't think I've got any more questions but thank you so much for coming on and sharing um I feel like I literally am gonna end up asking you 500 questions <laughs> it's all so interesting I love it all um but yeah thank, thank you so you much for asking for Oh no, I've loved it. And would you be able to tell everyone where they? Oh no, I've lost you again. Hello. Oh, you're back. <laughs> um, you I couldn't say. Um, would you be able to tell everyone where to find you in case anyone wanted to contact you? Yeah, my website is, oh, I've lost you again. Hello? Ah, oh, good, you're back. Oh <laughs> okay. God, what's going 
<laughs> so um, I've got a website. It's sacredmotherhoodjourneys.com. Uh, I've got multiple Facebook pages, but my doula one is, oh, what is it? It's Eva Bay Sacred Birth Doula. Um, I'm also on Instagram as, what am I? Eva Shmanic Doula. <laughs> um, so. I've changed that quite a few times. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm in Brighton in Sussex. But I do travel. I travel up to about an hour as a doula. And then for ceremony, I'm up to traveling as, as far as they want, really. I've been up to Scotland. I did a baby naming in the Highlands last year, which was really cool. It was amazing <laughs> in a castle with bagpipers. And yeah. oh, it was amazing. Oh, beautiful experience. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will probably speak to you well I'll probably speak to you after we finish this podcast in about two minutes <laughs> thank, thank you thank you for having me You're bye, bye. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the way of the womb podcast if this episode resonated with you and if you enjoyed this episode please take a screenshot and share this on your social media tag me at beck wallace birthkeeper and drop me a message let me know how you found it and if you feel called please feel free to leave a review it just helps other people to find the podcast so that we can build community and gather together thanks so much sending all the love